Dublin. Oh, Justin Madden's got the set, one hand. Oh, oh, oh. oh the post is broken, Matthew's in it. Oh, talk about a he-man. Dream rises to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. This is your football life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Oh, g'day to you, Matthew, and g'day, Australia. And it's time again to just delve into the secrets and the little-known facts of some of the champions that have played our game called the VFL-AFL, and isn't it just wonderful? Thousands of men have played the game at this the highest level, and some play and move on. Others have more of an impact, as our guest has today. A select few make a lasting impression that will indelibly be recorded in the history of the game forever. Such is the case with today's guest. We've got a bit of a feedback that a lot of you people around coffee and a few beers just sort of uh, try and work out who it is. This man is an elite athlete, make no doubt about that. 324 AFL games, which were 214 for Essendon and 100 for Hawthorne. Twice a VFL Premiership player in 1985 and 93. Two-time Hawthorne best and fairest in 1996 and 97 and a member of the Hawthorne team of the century. Of course, he's known as the Fish, and that's the big giveaway, because I love Fish, and I love this man, particularly when I was broadcasting. One of the reasons I went to the football was Paul the Fish Salmon. And great man, we've got you on, finally. Oh, wow, Rex. Well, thank you for the uh, very flattering um, introduction, mate. I'm a bit embarrassed, but it's great to always speak to you, mate. Does it surprise you, as a young man, a young man who was clearly a lot bigger than his classmates and his football and cricket mates. Does it surprise you that when you look back, that is a very, very impressive CV, uh, Fish? Oh, look, um, there's no doubt. You don't allow yourself to you know, really consider what you're doing when you're playing. I think it's only when you've been retired like I have for 10 years that you, when you hear it and you re-engage with it, it's, um, it you just feel very fortunate. Um, and... Uh, and that's exactly what I am. I'm a pretty fortunate guy. I played yeah. for two great, great football clubs, and um, I never saw my. You know, you dreamt as a kid to play league football in the first place, like everyone else before me. But um, to carve out something over 20 years was just well, well beyond my expectations, Rex. I'm big into dreams for kids and living their dream. You know, and I lived, lived my dream after I resigned from the police force in living the dream of fishing and football. Made up my living. Now I'm retired. I go yeah. to the footy and go fishing, that sort of thing. Tell us about your dream as a kid. And the early years before the Teal Cup got hold of you and people said, you want to see this kid. But tell us a little bit about the early years, Paul Salmon. Well, I, I'm from a pretty big family, Rex. I'm the, I'm the fourth son of, um, uh, and I've got two younger sisters. So I came from, with three older brothers. Um, it's not an uncommon story to, to tell that you grow up in a pretty competitive environment. Um, there's six years in, in age difference. So I was always... The young one uh, trying to carve his niche within that within that group within that dynamic, and I think it really imprints on you for the rest of your life. I was always very very much a competitive animal, and I and I was very fortunate. I mean, a lot of what gets you to the starting line in sport, even in business and other things, is just a God given talent, and and in my case, an athleticism and a size that helped me stand out. But um, you know, with that comes a lot of um, you know hurdles along the way because as a young fellow, you're sort of learning to deal with other people's expectations as early as five or six years of age. I know that sounds extreme, but you know, there were cases in you know, growing up where um, yeah. I was always criticised for being in the wrong age group um, or I shouldn't be out on the sporting field or running in that athletics group or 
I was handicapped as a kid in races and, and other things. So you kind of, it shapes you as an individual and um, uh, your height is always uh, an issue, but I've always tried to you know, view it. I've loved it and I've always viewed it as an asset. But mm. as a young kid, I was always so much taller than the other kids. And um, But I never let that sort of hold me back. I, I, I always, when I talk to aspiring athletes, it's, um, you know, it's, I'd like to emphasise the fact that if they've got an asset, if they've got something that works for them, don't bring it back to the field. You know, um, always make sure you push through that asset. Don't rely on it, but yeah. make sure it's, you know you don't let other people drag you back on it. And um, so my junior football was—I loved it. I was played in the primary school, our ladies, out in Ringwood, and I joined North Ringwood Junior Football Club. And then I was—I was six foot. I was roughly six foot six, six foot seven at fifteen, and wow. I had a. Yeah, I had a big decision to make then because I wasn't really developing good habits in junior football against you know side guys that I can easily beat in the ruck and and then I had um, in the summer of sort of 1980 81 I, I uh, trained at Paran Football Club for a couple of nights with my brother down there under um, oh, what was his name I, I, the coach down there is a famous Paran coach I apologise to him for not remembering but I had a dabble there I went to Marsland College and trained there for a, a night and I went out to S and nineteens, um, and I, I was just convinced, and so was my dad, that um, playing at fifteen, going to under nineteens, would be a, a wise move. Yeah. I, I was so immature still, and my body was developing, and, and that's when my time at Essendon started um, back in Sheedy's first year. I, I'm a big rap, Paul Salmon, for the under nineteens, and I still think there's a place for it because, as you say, uh, you know, when you're fifteen or fourteen, and you're dominating under sixteens and under seventeens. To me, mm. under-19s, when Graham Bond and I arrived at uh, Tigerland in 1965, the amount of blokes that didn't make it because they thought they were a bit ahead of themselves. Do yeah. you subscribe to the theory in life and sport that you can only improve by rubbing shoulders who are with people who are better than yourself? Oh, I'm a big believer in, in that. And I think, you know, it, it's all about who you want to put around you in, in life. And uh, without being too profound, you get to choose who you like to have in your circle. You get to make choices about... Uh, you know the people that you uh, you will want to take lessons from, and um, and I've, so I've always been a big believer in that. And I, I I'd like to think I chose well as a youngster, and and I tried to I tried to get close to people I could learn a lot from. And so there was Simon Madden, who was um, you know an established ruckman, and and uh, was made captain by Sheedy early on. And I, you know, it's not so much socialising; it's just watching and and listening and and learning as much as you can, and taking it all in, taking it all in. Kevin yeah. Kevin Sheedy had a um, I was a very impressionable 16-year-old, and he had us in a group of all the young fellows that were, you know, from around Australia, around the country, Victoria. And he said, he asked, the, he said to the group, he said, "What's the most important muscle in the body, boys?" And of course, we're all 16, and a few of the hands went up, and <laughs> you can imagine. I can't imagine. imagine. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but to keep it pretty clean, um, the uh, most important muscle, the biceps and hamstrings and glutes yeah. and all sorts of stuff. And he said, "No, the most important muscle in your body is your tongue in, in this game of football." And um, and and that was because if any of you guys make it, going to be playing on the MCG. Mm. You know, your teammates have got to know you're out there. Um, and then he said, "What's the most important skill in football?" And all the boys were talking about handballing and marking all obvious stuff. And he says, "Do you give up?" And the boys gave up. And I'll never forget. He said, "The most important skill in football is listening." Yeah. He said, "The best listeners here today will give themselves the best chance of making it." And um, you know, because when you're 16, it's all about can I mark, can I kick, and who can I beat at the next training drill and so look, you know, those things sort of live with you, and I, I just think, you know, Kevin Sheeter was a great role model and mentor to have yeah. as a 15, 16 year old. I, uh, I wanted to pull Sam and get to Kevin Sheedy a bit later, but I'm going to do it sure. now because I need to know when you went there, were you aware of what an absolute Leviathan Sheedy was at a club that had the golden era 
of its entire history, the Richmond Football Club, and it was just accepted you'd play in finals and grand finals and you expected to win them. It sounds yeah. like one of the things he took to Windy Hill was the MCG because, yeah. hey, uh, it's still where it's decided on that important day in September. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, look, I, like, like a lot of the boys at Essendon, I was only a young bloke, but I don't think most of the team actually knew what it hit them when Sheets um, hit the track because he was a very larger-than-life figure. Yeah, I knew about his history. I, mean, I, I grew up through the 70s as a Mad Hawthorne fan, and so I knew about the power sides of Richmond and Hawthorne, North Melbourne of the era. So I was still... I had stars in my eyes, Rex, like any young kid. Oh, wow. Kevin Sheet is your coach, and... Um, you know, he could yell at me and I, you just wouldn't be concentrating and he'd have to yell at you twice, just get the message through. But look, he was, um, he was, uh, I, I've used the word, not in a disrespectful way, but he was quite a brutal character back then. He was, um, yeah. he was un- unforgiving on the training track and on the in games. And, and I remember him saying at one stage, you know, because all the boys were hunched over or lying on the ground half dead. And he says, you yeah, I'm not, I'm not training you to be anything other than confident at the time on in the last quarter of a grand final that you can look at your opponent in the eye and say, I'm going the distance. Can you come with me? Yeah. It was all about mental toughness and stuff. So, yeah. look, he was um, he was an interesting character. He, he, he won, not just there to win friends, but he, he I just I just lapped everything up. I, I was sort of a, a huge sponge for whatever you had to say. I had teammates much older who were saying, what the hell's going on here? This bloke should be locked up. Yeah. But, um, you know, interesting. Take us from 1981, where you were clearly the best player in uh, Victoria's uh, uh, defence of the Teal Cup. You won the Lark Medal. Uh, you know, you'd been a star at North Ringwood. Tell us about the approach and your final decision to join Sheedy at Windy Hill uh, after making your debut in, in, in 83. How did it all happen? How did you end up at Windy Hill? Well, a very quick anecdote was um, I, back then, uh, a lot of listeners will. Uh, probably recall that it was all zoned. So I lived in Ringwood and Ringwood was an Essendon zone. So it was like, a, you know, even though I back for Hawthorne, um, all my dreams when I went to bed at night were about putting on the red and black, which was a bit, bit of a conflicted sort of emotion for me. But um, so I was always striving to play for Essendon, even though I would have preferred to play for Hawthorne at that age. Um, so I went out to Essendon uh, in 81. It was the first year in Teal Cup because of the dominance of the interstate side. They allowed the under-19 VFL players to be eligible for Teal Cup. So that means I got to play my first year of Teal Cup with um, the Dermot Bretons, the Tim Darcy, the Andrew Buses, and all these sorts of guys, which is a real thrill. Um, and uh, I was very fortunate to win the Lark medal. I, everyone would agree that Dermot should have won it. I'm not being humble there. It's just Well, he, he didn't. You won it. <laughs> he did, but he had an outstanding carnival. But look, it was, uh, and I was playing yesterday, and I think obviously because of my size, I was, you know, drawing some attention. My first... Um, uh, I got a, I won the most promising football at Essendon in, in the under 19s in 1981, and then I got to play reserves in 82, Rex, and that was an incredible learning curve for me. Kevin came up to me about round 20 and said, would you like to play a game of um, VFL before the year's out? And, of course, asking a 17-year-old that question, the obvious answer was yes, but I, he didn't. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't get across the line in 82. I thought I went home that night saying, Dad, I think I'm a chance, but um, that didn't happen. But I, I came run up in the reserves best and fairest that year to... Roy Ramsey, the back yes. from North Melbourne. Yep. And, um, so that was a huge thrill. And then 83, I cut it from the first game in round one up in Sydney. And um, it was a huge buzz, but uh, unfortunately went down. And I would never forget round two because that was just indulging for a second. But that was um, Windy Hill uh, versus St Kilda. And I was playing on a guy that I knew, uh, but I didn't know how mad he was, a guy named Jeff Saru. And, Goodness um, me, the pup, he was... They reckon I'm crazy. <laughs> Mate, if you, hey, hey, Paul Salmon, if you Google crazy... Pup Saru's uh, gig comes up. 
That's it. I had, I had no idea. Talk about white to... line fever. Yeah, look, I went down to position. I'm just, I'm, I'm just barely 18, and, and he's come down. And he's and he's just, and he's yelling at me, and I've never encountered this before in my life. And he's, he's spitting on the, in my face, and he's going nuts. And I'm looking around to see which teammate's closest to give me a chop out on this one. And 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 I actually had this sort of rational thought at the time. I said, I've got to kick a few early ones here, or I've just got to run all day. I've only got two options. Um, and I, fortunately for me, I, I got two goals in two minutes through fear. Um, and the runner came out and said, Sarah, you, we're moving you. And he said, I'm not, you know, he was swearing and carrying on. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to kill this bloke before I leave the football field and all that sort of stuff. And you're 18. He, yeah, and he's Just... running away. He's still 50 metres away and he's still turning around yelling at me saying he's going to be back for me. So I was seriously, um, I said, and one of my teammates came over and said, yeah, welcome, welcome to the uh, welcome to VFL, mate. Um, <laughs> very reassuring. But the very next week, the very next week, or the week after, I played on an absolute hero of mine. I played on Jeff Southie for the first time. Oh wow! And what a gentleman, what a tough opponent he was. Yeah, but wasn't I wasn't um, tough. So I was just, um, I was yeah. a hero worshipping at the time. Yeah. All right, uh, Paul Salmon, the fish, has joined us, and isn't it amazing? And I love fishing, and I love this man because I went to the footy as a radio broadcaster. One of the reasons we went and out of the break, folks. Yes, that year, 1984 when he threatened to blow every record out of the water. Uh, he kicked 22 from his first three games, the hottest thing in footy. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that knee injury. But also, we're going to talk about coming back an even better person and a better player uh, in the ensuing years. For Tobin Brothers Celebrating Lives, we're talking to Paul the Fish Salmon. Dream rises to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. You're listening to This Is Your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. Well, close to the old fisherman's heart, the old radio broadcaster is fish. And we've got the biggest fish of all, Paul Salmon, on the line today. For This Is Your Footy Life, 324 AFL Games, you know, 300 club member. Dual Premiership Club member, best and fairest, and Hawthorne Team of the Century. He is a star. Talking about star, I can stars. I can remember '84 when you really got going. As I said before the break, you kicked Richie Benno before uh, the first three games. 22 goals, the hottest thing. 12 games, you had 60, and you threatened to just blow every record out, including the records of John Coleman. And then Paul Salmon, disaster struck. Pick up the story, please. Uh, it was a it was an amazing year. I I, um, I actually didn't know what was happening to me at the time. You you go from a young bloke who's you know very unattractive, pimple faced, and you're at the back of the queues at pubs, and all of a sudden you kick a goal, and you're at the front of the queue, and you're getting drink cards. It was a whole new world for me. Rex and girls started to talk to me too, so that was a a pretty heady time. But um, I'll never forget round one in '84, and uh, another guy named Tony Lockett was playing full forward at the other end, and and um, a guy named Rudy Webster was our sports psychologist at the time, and uh, he came over to me in the change rooms, and I was trying to do my West Indian accent, and he goes, he says, OK, Paul, how many goals are you hoping to kick today? And I said, um, I'm not sure how that went. But anyway, I said, uh, <laughs> I was a bold, 18, 19-year-old, and I said, oh, I'd love to get eight today, uh, uh, Rudy. And he goes, oh, no, 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 no. Because he's a cricket background, he said to me, you must just go out and go for the ones and the twos. You can we just stupid. establish that Rudy was born in the West Indies and not <laughs> Bo- and not uh, Bombay? <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I, I won't do it again. I won't do it again. But he said, just go out for the play, no, go out for the ones and twos, and said, just keep it simple. So I went out there and 
um, I, it was just, uh, just just young, and I, the first mark I took was in the goal square, with, and it was a one-handed, and I and I kicked the goal, and I thought, oh, how how good life. And I had a huge summer, eighty-three, eighty-four. I put a fair bit of strength on and a bit of size, and I just felt really good about myself, a bit of youthful exuberance. And uh, coming at half time, I had five goals, and um, Rudy comes over me, and I, I went to open mouth, and he goes, oh no 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 no, and he goes, <laughs> he goes, I said, what is it, Rudy? And he goes, time to play your shots. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, so he just he gave me my head, and I ended up seven with seven that day, and, and plugger at the other end to kick seven, and and I think you know just uh, the next few weeks I was just riding a wave, and yeah. um, it was just so much fun, and I had a lot of support from the footy club, but I what I didn't have any preparation for was the the press interest and the media and the, the people in the street, and my world was turned upside down. Takes over your life, doesn't it? Yeah, it wasn't in a bad way, but I was, yeah. and there, there was an ego thing which kind the of expectation me. too was a big bit pre- pressure yeah. you probably didn't need. Well, I didn't actually know what the size of the rod I'd built from my back at that stage, and, mm. and and that's okay because you just go with the flow and you, you don't go out there to try and do your best. And um, and then in round thirteen, yeah, I had mm, bang had sixty three on the board, and 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 um, I was getting a bit itchy because I was playing forward at Victoria Park and. And I sent the message back with the runner at one stage, you know, getting young and stupid. I said, uh, any chance for a crack in the ruck? Because um, Simon, we weren't, you know, killing it out of the middle. And I, I, I love Simon to death. And I Simon Madden, always, that is, yep. Excuse me, Simon Madden. Now, now I was always just trying to get a look in. And, you know, the message came back um, early in the third that, uh, from Kevin that he wanted me to change. So I got to play on David Cloak in the ruck. And I was just excited on playing on David Cloak. and. Mm. Um, I, got, I got I got a bit ahead of myself because I outmarked him in a one on one. We went back to the centre bounce after we kicked the goal, and and the ball bounced back over his head. Um, and I did the, something I'd only very rarely done in the past, only something in junior football. I, I grabbed the ball out of the ruck and and took off, um, ignoring the uh, the calls of Alan Ezard and Darren Williams to handball it to them. I I decided to get my quick kick in, um, and I did so. But um, at that, it was just. The, the, the timing, um, Jeff Rains, who was playing for Conwood oh, at the time, yeah. came in the, on the inside of me. My leg wrapped around him, and and then I was lying on the ground. And and you know, for the first time, I'm like, well, I'd never been injured before, really. So you knew, you knew you knew you were in all sorts of trouble. Well, I, I did because the whole thing, the knee was uh, initially very painful. Then it just started flopping. I, I had no control over it, so it was totally unstable. I knew that mm. something in there had, had snapped because I could actually feel the thud when it happened. So now I'm lying on the ground and I'm looking up at the sky, thinking, you know. This is this is different. Um, I had teammates. I had a couple of teammates who met well, but they were telling me to get up, and uh, the Commonwealth players were telling me I was all sorts of different things. And then I got carried off on the stretcher, and, and that was my first entry to uh, first introduction to the genuine passion of football fans because I, I couldn't believe on the way around the boundary line just how many Collins supported oh, you, Mum. Yeah, uh, they were very familiar. With, <laughs> so I, I went home to Mum that night and said, "Surely, <laughs> surely not." Um, but but interesting too, I got around to the uh, the race. Um, go down to the race and I've got a couple of tears in my eyes because I was in a bit of discomfort and I, I knew that it was serious and and I actually the, the trainers started cursing and swearing and I took the towel off my face and I could and I, had, I know this won't sit well with a lot of people listening but there was a lot of um, supporters of the Collingwood variety spitting on me as I was going yeah. they don't know they yeah. didn't know that I was but I'm 19 and yeah. I just realised then that you know you just it's not spitting on me the person they're spitting on the jumper and they, you know there was a very emotional time and I'm probably happy to see me go and but I don't hold any grudges on that. It was just a real eye-opener for a young boy to see that. And then, um, of course, I had the operation and, and had to miss the, the next 12 months, which is yeah. a huge learning curve in my life. I, I did come back a different yeah. person. And uh, 
we could be here for three weeks, but I've got to move on because you yeah. came back beautifully and you found yourself playing more and more in the ruck. And, uh, you know, Simon Madden, who's been on This Is Your Football Life, speaks uh, volumes for you, but you couldn't have learned from a better master of the art of ruck work and uh, forward play. No, I couldn't have, Rex. Um, Simon Madden is, a, is not only just a great player, I understand it's corny, but he's a, he's a great person. And, and I, I learned good and bad. I learned so much. I mean, he technically was so much better than me, but I think we complimented one another. And, I, and I, I'm really proud of what Simon and I did together as, because it doesn't, it doesn't happen. I don't want to sound too pretentious, but it doesn't happen too often in footy that a combination works for nearly ten years like that. Yeah, a ruck combination. And and I, so I served a very long apprenticeship, twelve years under him, but I was very happy wow. to do so. And he was a he was a tough footballer, Simon. You wouldn't want to underestimate. And him. one of the nicest blokes of all. That it just goes to show yeah. you don't have to be a thug to be. Let's move on to '93. It was a wonderful year. Look, I can yeah. recall like it was yesterday, uh, broadcasting with Sam Newman and Ron Barassi and Shane Healy on 3AW, the shootout yeah. match uh, between you and Ablett. 14, uh, you kicked uh, 10 and Ablett 14 the other way. But I want to go to that year's grand final, '93, when you defeated Carlton. Yep. You kicked five. And you're in pretty serious company, elite company, kicking five goals. But like Cowboy Neal in a winning grand final, that must be one of your real, real prizes that you've taken from the game. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, to kick six in 85 and, and five in 93, I'm, I'm very yep. proud of it. It was, um, it was a great day. It was an exciting year, as you know, because we, we started the season um, generally considered a long way from premiership material. Um, we had a lot of young, talented guys. We didn't know just what they could could do. Um, you know, Bomber Thompson was captain, and I was vice, and Mark Harvey and Gary O'Donnell were our more senior players. We did have Darren Buick and David Grenville, these sorts of guys. But we just had a wonderful year just with, with the momentum built, and come grand final day, there was just a belief. Wow. Um, we had Gavin Wanganine and um, some of the most beautiful Indigenous footballers you've ever played with. You know, Michael Long, Gavin Wanganine, Derek Tickett, of course, at the famous, yeah. you know, got, got left out that day. But, um, you know, it was just a very... It was a romantic year. It was an exciting year, and to win that premiership uh, means means the world, of course. And um, and you know everyone's just happy to play their role on on, a, on on the big dance at the big dance. And I yeah. was just happy to do that. Um, but it was only a couple of years later before I didn't realise it was only a couple of years away from leaving the Red and Black. <laughs> well, we'll get you know? to that in a moment. We're running out of time. This is sure. Paul the Fish Salmon on This Is Your Football Life for Tobin Brothers. We're celebrating the life of one of the people who will take his rightful place in the history of our great Australian game. You found yourself to, on the way to Hawthorne. You said you'd like to go to Geelong, but you found yourself to Hawthorne. And a lot of people thought, oh, well, you'll just flutter out there. But you actually went bang in best and fairest. That some of your best work as a number one ruckman there. You must have been very, very proud. And more importantly, Simon Madden must have been wrapped because you used so much of that man's expertise to put into practice at Glenferry Oval. Yeah, look, Simon was a huge influence, um, and 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 look, he worked the uh, football oval like no other bloke over you. So it became a real asset to me just to work the angles of a football oval. And and and, and as a big man, it's inc- it's really important to have a, a not just a physical presence but a visual presence on the football field because you know you can really um, you know direct traffic in that sense. So Hawthorne Football Club to me just uh, they mean the world. I mean, I don't want to sound you know too um, too mushy on it, but I I had a, an amazing time. Yeah, I went there with not many people thinking I had really much to offer the game and, and I was so so pleased that Hawthorne, Ken Judge, John Hook, Peter Schwab, these sorts of guys um, saw something. They had a need of course but they really backed me in and um, and I flourished in that environment. I got my body right and my head was in the right place and I think you know it just all came together for me fortunately. 
We're finishing off with just a few questions off the top of your head with very, very short uh, answers. Paul, sure. the fish salmon. My absolute favourite food is? Oh, gosh. Um, steak and veg. Boring. When I get around to it, I will. I will spend a year or two living overseas. If I could be anyone or anything, anywhere in the world, I would be? Right here, right now. To my mind, the greatest Australian rules footballer of all time is? Lee Matthews. Well, there you are. It's just gone so quickly and we've just brushed over the top. But as I said, I don't want to embarrass you in any way, my friend. And I mean that sincerely. When the history of this game is written, Paul Salmon, you will take your rightful place. You are a star. And one of the reasons I went to the footy, and I think that speaks for hundreds of thousands of people who you've thrilled over your career. Uh, and you're doing well in business and you're doing well with your family. And thanks very much for joining us today on This Is Your Footy Life. Thank you so much, Rex. You're a champion, mate. Appreciate no, it. I'm not. You are a champion because that's what this is all about. That was Paul Salmon. If you'd like to hear the extended version of this interview, check out facebook.com forward slash Tobin Brothers Funerals or follow us on Twitter at Rex Football Life. And yibbity yibbity, folks. This has been This Is Your Football Life. All for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives.